Hello and welcome back to Unconditional and Uncensored. I'm Lauren and Renata is not here today. She has got a bit much on her plate, so she did not join me for today's interview, but I do have a guest speaker for you, so we'll get straight into that. Imagine waking up one day and realizing that something is wrong and then a short while later being told that you only have four months left to live. Melanie Jacobs grew up as a normal young girl living life to the fullest until one day at the tender age of 15, things changed significantly and she was given four months left to live. Today, Mel is here to tell her story of how her life changed, fighting through those battles surviving despite the odds that she was given, and now leads a life as a motivational speaker and running her own business. Mel, welcome to Unconditional and Uncensored. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I feel very honored. I'm very happy. (laughs) We're very happy to have you here. (laughs) Mel has been one of my longtime, very, very close friends, um, and she's got a very unique story to tell. So let's get straight into it. Friend, you've got a hell of a story to share and a very unique one at that. Um, Now, I know your story, but for the sake of our listeners, you grew up leading a really full life, uh, a good life until the age of 15. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, it it, it really is a long story. And um, as you know, I can go on for quite a bit. So I'm going to try and condense this story. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I often just retrospectively and people ask me oh you were like normal I was like yeah the majority Mm -hmm. of my life I identify as normal um so (laughs) I (laughs) I do nothing is for me so I have been I've always been that very busy independent girl been dancing my entire life um literally I actually got you know those certificates from school that like they give you a certificate for full attendance at school. I got those mm-hmm. like every year because I was <laughs> <I'm> that geek. <laughs> love school. Um, never got sick. Never had the flu. Honestly, really, really independent dancer. What a kind of ballet. Um, and just very, very busy. And and I can tell this story now in in a whole. But um, we didn't know this chronologically. So this is the the whole story when um when I can say oh I look back and this happened but. At 15, I literally one day felt really weird. I had these weird symptoms. So what actually Mm. happened is we only found this out many years later. But I had a wart, normal teenage wart, like a literal, just wart that we we all get on my hand. And um, Mm. literally go to a dermatologist because I'm like, oh, yo, a wart, yo, hot. Like, just went to a new school um, to... Um, gave me a bursary to do the cheerleading and they always take warm eyes hot eyes help me still when I talk on stage I never get this mm. right hot ice that they burn it off with uh dry ice dry ice thank you I'm like the stuff that looks like cotton candy but if you eat it you die <laughs> <laughs> so he burned the water off about two or three times third time yes he said listen um don't think this is working what we can do is we can give you something else for it it's not necessarily for the wart because the other option was um a very very expensive ointment which um i don't know if people have a reference for a postage stamp anymore which makes me feel so old but he said it's as big as a postage stamp you have Mm. to put the ointment on with a little earbud and it was so expensive and he was like but the alternative is basically free um, it's not really for a wart, but, you know, the side effect may take the, the virus away. Like, cool, yeah, yeah. Take the little prescription, walk next door to the um, clinic. And honestly, I will never forget the nurse, her face. I was still in my high school uniform with my mom. And she walked up and she's like, why are you getting the polio vaccine? And I was like, oh, <laughs> polio vaccine? Like, I'm looking at my mother like, yeah. And she's my mom's like, is that what you wrote down? I'm like, yeah, polio, polio vaccine. Mm. She was confused and uh, I was confused, but cool. So long story short, remember the drops on my tongue. I remember being cocky, going, oh, it doesn't even taste that bad. Like, what's people on about? I haven't been on about anything, Mel, but I just being 15 and un- unaware. Mm. And what happened is that vaccine reactivated. Um, so at 15, 
a dermatologist gave me polio through a vaccine or whether it was look uh, retrospectively again he wasn't supposed to, uh, you don't get a vaccine like that at 15 your body's just too busy yeah. with hormones um yeah. also it was the life generated virus there was many things um that i look back and i was like why why did you and and no one knew what was wrong who gets polio nowadays they call it an old person's mm. disease friend <laughs> but really really quick things started going my body went into what i would say is spasm um mm. and both my feet turned in 90 degrees i split my left hand but but also all my muscles um we don't think about our our body is literally one big muscle um mm. i always say to mm. people if you go to um a dermatist if you go to the, you know if you go to the gp um they have that that picture of the man with all the muscles you know the one with the hand straight on the yes. side of the hand you know like we know that one yeah yeah if you look at that all those muscles either went into a what i call spasm or a flaccidity so i can show you on the camera i don't know if you're listening to the um to the podcast but my hand she was turned in with a 90 degree angle like that and it's just with my hand we try to stop the turning in of the mm. point and it broke it actually broke the um what is I, I don't I can't even recall the name that they use now it's the, the, the splint to keep it straight so yeah it was just no stopping it honestly and no one knew what was wrong no one knew because who's wow. going to test for polio who's going to test for that mm. day they tested everything in fact um they flew me down to Cape Town we were situated in um Johannesburg at that point in South Africa flew me down to Cape Town and like I was the specimen like everyone like I had all these doctors not looking at me like a human like honestly mm. I was the specimen where they were like oh wow yes but what about this no they ruled this out what about this disease no they ruled this out what about the brain and I literally I was like the the puzzle mm. and it was really sucking and the last thing they said was like why don't we have a look at her DNA? Maybe it's something genetic. And they did a test where they literally like <laughs> took like a, uh, just chunks of me all over the world. I'm so well-traveled. <laughs> Muscles <laughs> and biopsies and everything. I'm so well, pieces of me are so well-traveled. Um, but they were going to, literally, they were going to do like brain surgery. Like, What's up with this chick? And then luckily they were like, whoa, there's nothing wrong there either. So mm. end of the day, I was 15. No one knew what was wrong. And they were just like, okay, yeah, sorry. That's just, um, yeah, sorry. That's where they left it. But no one knew it was polio. Like how did you start noticing that that something was happening? Like what, what happened first to, to like sort of, I don't know, highlight to you that something was going wrong? Um, the first memory or, or the first thing that happened, so polio attacked the cranial lobes. And the first one is um, we were sitting watching Sea Squad Run, a movie that is now very old, but I mean, I was 15 years old. It was 2003. And um, mm-hmm. we were laughing and we were in the small TV room watching this movie. And all of a sudden, it felt like I couldn't breathe. Like I was breathing. But it mm. felt like the air was literally just going up to my clavicle bone, not actually reaching my lungs. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I have asthma. <laughs> like, it literally started <laughs> with, like, this one symptom. And then a second symptom would start, which was vertigo or being extremely dizzy. So, mm. again, we would figure it out later on that um, your diaphragm needs to move down for your lungs to open up. And yep. yeah, have enough oxygen, literally dizziness, vertigo, cochlea. So I think it's your third, third cranial nerve. Mm. We studied this together. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, so literally, it, and, and then they started doing a lot of tests. So I was like, please help me. Something is very wrong. But it got yes. to a point where I could not, the vertigo was so bad. I couldn't stand up on my own. So I needed a wall, a literal, like something steady and sturdy. Yeah, because mm. I was literally like the world was spinning. And I 
like I'm someone like you make a plan okay you, you make a plan so I have to go to school you know when that bell goes it's chaos yeah. like everyone would just want it I'm also I've always been the tiniest I love it when people ask me now like oh my gosh you're so tiny is that from being sick I'm like no I'm a not sick okay <laughs> I had polio or whatever I've always been like I'm one five two technically so I've always been the smallest so people would just walk me out of the way so friend I had like one a guy friend on the left like um like like he arm and arm and a guy friend on the right arm and arm and then one person carrying my suitcase because mm-hmm. I couldn't stand up straight and I think mm-hmm. I just I acted yeah. like yeah I'm just being cruel in the meantime I'm dying in the inside um and then eventually they hospitalized me and I was in hospital one night and my hand pulled open. I was looking. I remember looking at my hand. And she just, you know, if you go swim in ice cold water and you get that cramp mm. in your, mm-hmm. especially like, like in your leg, calf. Mm. I looked at my hand and my hand, so still when my hand is in like, like she's just resting, it's just a little ball because the muscles has shortened. But I looked at my hand and she pulled open involuntarily. Like, I'm thinking, I'm not doing this. I'm not asking you to open. Mm -hmm. It's a horror movie. Like, lying alone at night, hearing the beeping of all the machines in the hospital around me. I'm alone in a hospital Mm -hmm. room. And here my hand is just so painful and it's just opening on its own. And I'm looking at my hand going, stop. Please, please, I beg of you, stop. I don't know what's happening. And that's when what I deem as a spasm started um, and it just kind of progressed from my hands to my arms to everywhere and um, and when I say everywhere it includes your tongue I couldn't articulate and I couldn't speak which <laughs> you know must have been really mm. tough because I just basically sounded drunk all the time when I tried to mm. speak but it just it, it happened so quickly friend just it, it mm. was so quick Tell us a little bit about like how how do you come to terms or how do you even process that you're seeing these doctors, you're going for all these tests, but no one can tell you what's going on. No one can tell you what's wrong. Like how do you even begin to to come to terms with that concept? I did a lot of crying. Like honestly, I can tell you that first year. I did not exit the house unless it was for a doctor's appointment because not only are you now dying, I mm. went from dancer, little popular little dancer girl, to a freak in a wheelchair. Mm. That, that perception and the way people now treated me when I actually dared to go out in public, combined that and I was just, um, you literally, you mourn the fact that the person you were look I was very aware that something was really wrong and this is not something mm. that's going to go away initially I thought that's a weird flu mm. and I think when when I saw my body apologize I weighed 31 kilograms and my mother had to feed me bathe me turn me around in bed I was on oxygen if you think about it like having to ask your mom to take you to the bathroom um, mm. and you just there's 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 literally you mourn so I I cried that entire first year you I mourned and then literally it was taking it second by second by second because if I think too much I want to die and I can't the option is there to just let go mm. so it, it was literally I think quite honestly if if I was less <laughs> stubborn um I might have let go but I think that's that's also a beautiful lesson that um so apparently I was called a strong-willed child like I was a very Mm, strong-willed child which would one would deem negative right oh what what a Mm -hmm. strong-willed child but in this situation the fact that I was strong-willed kind of we channeled I channeled the being strong-willed being stubborn into having a fighting spirit and that to me is mm. always something that I find beautiful that we, even if you look at yourself and you have like oh this is a negative quality if you channel that directly that can be your saving grace and I think many a days I just kept on fighting because I was like I will I will not give up 
So that was a conscious decision on your side to fight and to continue fighting? Up until to 16. It was conscious up until 16. So um, the, the last doctor, quite honestly, I, I've had so many interactions with doctors, but the last one, so I went and so they were like, okay, we don't know what's wrong with you, child, but let's look at the symptoms. So let's mm. give you muscle relaxant for days. So the idea was that I want to put a little pump underneath my stomach, like in my stomach, just underneath my... Under your skin. skin. Yeah, because that's oh, not wow. very sexy, is it? Um, but they were like, okay, but let's test it out before we put a little pump in your body. So this was literally going to essentially um, give, like put a, a muscle relaxant into directly into my um, nervous system so that the muscles mm-hmm. could relax. Um, but they were like, okay, let's test it. Luckily, because uh, I remember the product, Lyresol. Don't know how I remember that. So I went into um, ICU. They put the needle into my spine and they're like, let's see how it goes. Wonderful. Mm. Not so wonderful. I woke up in high care um, in so much pain that I couldn't breathe. And I would call the, the nurse. I'm like, please help me. I'm in so much pain. And she's like, um, are you sure? Like, are you sure you're in pain? This is not supposed to be a painful procedure. And I'm like, yes. And I would point to my chest going, it it it, it burns, like, like on my mm. chest. And my mother would come. She's like, Mel, what is, what's this red stripe? And wherever she would touch, that was where the pain was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I, I don't have answers. But what I do know is I was in hospital for three days. The neurologist mm. got the info this this patient is in a lot of pain. He was like, up the dose. Um, he kept on upping the dose. I know, friend. Like, I know. So, and then after three days, I lost 10Ks in those three days. Um, walked goals. into the hospital with a lot of effortful walking, but it was still like pushing through spasms. Mm. And I came out in a wheelchair and I never walked again until much later on. That same doctor phoned my mother, and this is one of the very vivid memories. And he said, uh, "So they literally said, like, take the things out of. We're taking our child home. Don't care what you're saying. This is ridiculous. So mm. against his wishes, he phoned my mother, and he was like, "Okay, we don't. The lyrisol didn't help. Clearly, didn't help. Mm. Um, we don't know what's wrong with Mel, but she will die before her 16th birthday." And this was the most vivid memory where my mother is sitting on my bed. Friend, I know that I'm dying. I can feel. I can't breathe. I'm, I'm literally breathing. Mm. I can't talk. But seeing your mother, like, you can see her being strong. But I, you, mm. you see her eyes breaking. Like, just think, like, you, now being older, I can only imagine how that must feel to look at like your child and tell them you're dying like she said Mel the doctor just phoned and he said you are gonna die before your 16th birthday before and I was like before sweet 16 and um and she said yes and in that moment I was infuriated that this doctor who by the way I think we paid for very (laughs) many vacations um didn't have the Audacity, like, uh, audacity to tell me, like, I was going to say, where's, where's your bazungas? Where's the balls to tell me yourself? Mm. Um, Give me the phone. But to let my mother tell me that, and you know what? I, the, that stubborn streak played up. And I was like, you know what? This is the plan. Didn't say it to anyone else. I was just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm dying. Okay. Hmm. And I was like, okay, Mel, this is the plan. The plan is, Pinky, we are going to fight to see 16. Okay. Then I need a cake with a mm-hmm. big 16 on it or 16 candles. And then I need an action photo, okay, Well, I'm blowing out the candles, like real, an action photo. And then I need to print that photo and I need to send it to that doctor. And all I want to do is go in your face. Like you were wrong. You were I wrong. You just put my mother through that. You were wrong. Bro. And now I can die. Like that was the plan. 16. Mm-hmm. Toodles. Peace out, world. Um, 
And then 17 rolled around. <laughs> 18 rolled around. And I was like, oh, I wish this, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't the plan. Yeah, like I was like, okay, I can die now. Um, and yeah, so it's so it was a conscious decision for one age. <laughs> uh, but then I think that fighting spirit, stubborn, just you know, it just kind of kicked in. So it was consciously unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about treatment because you've had, is it 33 surgeries up until now? Yep. We're on 33. Uh, when, when did that start? So obviously like things progressed over time, right? And you, your, your physical symptoms were progressing over time, but at some point, there's no longer a progression of the physical symptoms. So how soon after this happened, how soon after you were diagnosed, did your medical intervention start or like, like who, who, who even, who even gets to make that call? Yeah, it, it was a very confusing time. Number one friend, I was actually never diagnosed by a doctor. I went to mm. uni. We did childhood diseases covered polio I went back to the neurologist I was like hey I remember I got a polio vaccine when I was 15 just before this all started is this a possibility they were like if you can get evidence that you had the vaccine yes because there's nothing else wrong with you we've tested for everything Mm. so that's this was at uni so that I've already been walking already had surgeries I was um in bed for three years I was literally just in bed. I couldn't move. I couldn't eat. And when doctors give up on you, the I would say the the people, the I would say your mainstream doctors. Oh, you would laugh. I mean, I could go on for hours. The things I've been through, mm-hmm. like alternative stuff. Like I was hung upside down. I kid you not. One person said, "We need a." <laughs> Mm. by her feet so that the earth matches the and i kid you not so that the um gravity could pull her muscles apart and stretch her throat (laughs) we did it at her place once and then my family attempted i kid you not in the garage they made like a little system where they like attach the rope to a pulley system and they literally like hauled me up halfway we collapsed laughing and we were like this is absolute madness um like the other thing people were like okay so bees are really good like you need to get stung by a lot of bees what do we say okay all right <laughs> so got stung by bees thank goodness never turned out allergic another one friend just that for for giggles um at some stage they they were a certain group of people were convinced that it was the cell phone signals okay so mm-hmm. they came around to the house with a little machine that goes so then that's the signal is very strong right so they found a space in the house which was behind the couch in the living room and we moved my bed behind the couch in the living room and i slept there in the living room for like four months and nothing happened and i was like clearly it's not the cell phone signals okay (laughs) so there were so many things we tried like honestly friend like i can't even um but one thing that was and and this to me is still a bit of a a big mystery there was one doctor so i went for a lot of chelation therapy Mm. which is to remove the heavy metals out of your system i don't know if that was a part of the solution i myself am not 100% clear on what happened, but there was a, a beautiful um, just intervention of a, a, a neurophysio because the physios mm. didn't want to touch me. because They were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. We're going to make you worse. So they wouldn't help me, which is so frustrating. I need help. Please help me. No, sorry. Don't know mm. what's wrong with you, which, you know, I understand now. Um, then there was this doctor who um, I don't know what was in the drips. Friend. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of talk, and this could be a whole different podcast. And I don't even want to go into conspiracy theories because I sound mad. But um, he believed that there is um, oh gosh, do I say this out loud because I sound like a crazy person? Yeah, let me give you the tea. A medical mafia who, like, you know, uh, like you know, the people like 
in order to have medication for cancer or we have to keep it around type of thing. And this doctor, and again, I'm not saying this is my view, but he was convinced that he found a solution. But it was this intervention of finally ha- getting neurophysio. Uh, neuro I think also because my body, was has, she's been fighting for three years. And this mm. is a whole aspect of my story that I always go into. We think about our bodies as this, uh, this passive machine that has nothing to do with us. And we scold it and we treat our bodies so mean. It, it, it's, we're harsh. Um, when I was saying to my body, like, girl, what? Like, I looked after you. I, I was healthy. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I was an athlete. How could you let me down? Where this three years that I was in bed getting these treatments, retrospectively, she was fighting polio. Mm. And she won. How? That's crazy. And then eventually, one night. So now imagine, 90 degrees turning heat. And if you are listening and this is difficult for you to imagine, I want you to take a hand. So I always say, like, touch the side of your ankle that protrudes. So the side of your hand, if you're taking your left hand, touch your left ankle. That bone that you feel there, the the tallest bone, if I'm correct, that's what I walked on. So the pain was really bad at night. Um, I couldn't Mm. sleep from the pain for for quite a few years. Um, And then I, I would stand. I had a mirror that was opposite my bed. So I would, like, be like a baby. I would stand up like like a like you know a newborn like little goat mm, or like wobbling. a little buck, mm. wobbling, wobbling, and I'd be like, "Hey, I can balance." I'm like, "Ballet arms, ballet arms, do the core tight, butt in, balance," <laughs> and then full smack on my face. Then I would crawl back to bed, push myself up, turn around. I would look myself in the mirror, and I'd be like, "You can do this." And then I literally taught myself how to walk. On my turned in feet. I didn't tell anyone. Mm. So one day I gathered my parents. But it really hurt because you're walking on bone. Like, look at this, friend. I even, of course, knowing me, I I worked in a little twirl. <laughs> I was like, look, I can even do a twirl. And um, and I was like, if we can get my feet straight, I can walk again. Mm. And my parents were like, what? When did this happen? Well, I've just been practicing the last, like, three, four, five months. Um <laughs> Sophie's so excited and we go to the doctor and he looks at I do my little twirl for him in the office I'm like look mm-hmm. if you could just help me get my feet straight he looks at me he's like yeah the only way that uh, you are gonna walk again is if we amputate your leg wow what like you wanna no and I wanna do a dramatic exit being a dramatic person but I'm in a wheelchair mom is not dramatic I'm like reverse reverse out we're being mm-hmm. dramatic I'm like no like, mom, reverse, reverse, reverse. <laughs> um, and then I was like, what do, we, what do you do now? And then I miraculously met the doctor who took a chance, Dr. Stefan Kulain. He, um, he literally said to me, I am taking a chance. I can guarantee nothing. But let's mm. try the Elizabeth frame, which is an external fixation. Well, anything is better than an amputation, right? Right. I mean, that's just. Oh, that's like a lot. Both feet just gone. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And he said to me, friend, his words, I actually like had a little giggle the other day. He said to me, you will never be as quick on your straightened feet like you are on your turned in feet now. And he meant like, because I was doing my little twirl, right? And he's like, you're mm-hmm. going to be, you're going to be slow and like lumpy. And I was like, I did a little skip the other day and I was like, <laughs> who ain't quick on their feet now, doc? I should go to okay, my visit. <laughs> Um, so then this whole process started nine months. Could have had a baby in that time. <laughs> no, <laughs> my baby was my feet, my twins. Yeah, I had twins, I had two straight feet. <laughs> um, so we would take a number 10 spanner, and I i don't know if we've got visual aid of that, but we, if you go Google the Elizabeth frame, it's an external fixation where they, I lost count, I think it's 36. Uh, stainless steel bolts rods yeah that they literally like just goes through the bone through every toe and then every week we would go to the doctor and he would be like okay so this bolt and this bolt you're gonna you're gonna tighten yeah loosen tighten just change the direction Mm. so we did that for nine months it was probably um it is a genius medical invention and also a brilliant torture device. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, so we had my feet 
almost at like straight as straight as we could get it. Mm. And then he was like, okay, now we go in for surgery to get that heel down, toe up. And yeah, surgery hasn't stopped. So I walked. I ended up in the wheelchair when I was 15. And I took my first steps, wobbly, but steps, as mm-hmm. a surprise on my 21st, my 21st birthday party. Wow. Wow. So this was when you showed your parents that you can walk on your turned in feet or was this after the surgery? No, this was after many surgeries. So this was after the nine months um, and probably four, I say many, but 33 surgeries on many. I think at that stage it was probably like six or seven surgeries. Mm. Um, So, you know, we've already had a a great deal of working and also I had to learn how to walk again. I often forget Mm. that. I don't know how I forget that. You know how you always see in the movies, like, especially like the army veterans, they usually like show you yes. that, the double, yes, double yes, yes, poles that with double the white. Frame. I yes. legit had to do that. And I was petrified. Not only did it hurt, but I was like, it's so high from the ground. Like, hey, I've been sitting. I've been sitting for years, okay? I'm yeah. like, if I fall, I'm going to die. It's so high. And they're like, Mel, you're 152. You'll be fine. <laughs> but, um, it, and I mean, friend, it's continuous. Um, 21 was a big one, was my first public appearance. Look, <laughs> I'm walking. But then I would go back because then we would see, oh, because um, I'm, I'm essentially placing weight on, on parts of my feet that was never designed to carry weight anatomically. Mm. So then this bone would kind of pop out or it would become very painful. And it's like, yep, back into surgery. That would be eight months non-weight, be- uh, sorry, eight weeks non-weight bearing, which means back in a wheelchair because mm. my toe isn't allowed to touch the ground. And then six weeks back into to cast where I start walking again. So it, it's been, it feels like never ending story. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm here. Well, you're walking and that in itself. And skipping. Is- and dancing, <laughs> yes. not saying very well, but <laughs> no, no. Honestly, friend, people, when I tell them the story, if I'm on stage and I talk about it, people are like, oh, we didn't even notice. Or like, I'll show them my hand and they're like, we didn't notice. And I'd be like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. You're being, stop it. Stop it. I like it. But um, I have my days where it's a bit of an odd walk because I'm in a lot of pain. And then there's days mm. where, honestly, it's just like being normal. But what is normal? I'm sorry. I, I After this, there's no definition of normal in my books. Yeah. Normal seems overrated. Yeah. they done that got the t-shirt. You've mentioned your pain. Let's chat a little bit about how, how do you cope with your pain? How do you live and cope with the pain that you have on a day-to-day basis? It depends on the day, honestly. Today. I don't want to get up being mm-hmm. very honest. And I think loving the fact that this is unconditional and uncensored, I didn't want to get up today. Mm-hmm. This morning I woke up and I was in so much pain. And I literally, I was sitting there in bed, like crying and feeling like I'm in the middle of this dark cloud, just searching for a piece of silver lining that I can grab onto and find a reason to get up today. Mm. There's days like that. Then there's other days where like pain has become a part of who I am. I think it's it's all a matter of perspective. Um, you can I mean, look, pain is a part of life. We get hurt. Mm. People hurt us, that's emotional mm. pain. We've got physical pain, we've got psychological pain. So there's no way you're gonna go through life without pain. Chronic physical pain though is a is quite a um it's a lonely one, friend. Um like I've discussed with you many times in conversations that I treasure very much, is the one thing that you can't keep on reminding people is you can say, wow, I'm in a lot of pain. And the person would register it and with a beautiful heart, they acknowledge it. But the moment that my words you know, have left, the moment the words dissolve, they forget. And that's mm. normal. In my life, it, may, it, it it's the same. I can't go around and tell everyone, oh, I'm in so much pain. Oh, remember, I'm in so much pain. Just remember, 
I'm in so much pain. Like, you just can't yeah. do that. That's just no not how life works. No one's truly going to understand what you're feeling. No. Yes. And also, it's not it's not their burden to bear. Mm. But I think it's perspective. So in my, what I learned um, with doing the motivational speaking and studying and research, friend pain is a beautiful thing. And most people, when I say that, are like, oh, my gosh, goodness, this girl has been smoking stuff that I obviously need to get my hands on. <laughs> but pain can be well is beautiful pain is communication literally your body mm. communicating to you saying hey hey i'm i'm not okay can you just pay some attention here and that's what we do on a daily basis we would get a headache your headache is your body saying to you hey in my instance it would be my feet it would be like hey um, mel are you aware there's rods yeah and i'm like mm. yeah yeah thank you body i know thank you girl mm. i know you don't have to remind me so clearly today, but that's what pain is. When you get a headache, mm. that's your body saying, "Hey, I'm not Something okay." Strong. You want to check in? Yeah, check, check, check your eyes. Can we check into the stress levels? Can you check your pillow? I'm not okay. Mm. When you look at it from that perspective, I appreciate my body, especially thinking that a doctor wanted to amputate my legs. I would have never understood the beauty of pain, and that's mm. all in perspective. Um, yeah. So we've got good days, we've got bad days, and we take them as they come. But changing perspective changes the way you live. Mm. That really puts a different, like shines a different light on it. <laughs> it does. It's weird when I say, when I, when I talk to people about pain like this, and also emotional pain, feeling down, go have a look, what's happening? Um, you know, um, it goes through to every aspect of life. Um, when I'm not okay, something's not okay, and I need to look after myself. Our bodies actually ask for a lot of care, and our emotions mm. do too, and our soul and our spirit. It are they, we they they literally ask for a break. So like I'm, I've used this example with you before, but I feel kind of silly saying it out loud. But mm-hmm. I always say, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, as my best friend. Like so, if you are you're not feeling okay I will drop anything that I can and I will go and attend to you my body is my best friend um she she isn't me she doesn't define my worth doesn't define who I am but she's a part of who I am um and I really need her on this planet without her I'm kind of stuck can't do what I want to do my mission is kind of impossible without her so if she's asking me for rest or she's asking me, if she's saying, hey, I'm not okay and I don't listen, I would never do that to you. Why would I do that to my body? So there's days that I literally have to take a pen and like take a big old line, scrap it, like cancel everything and take a bed day, a rest day, which I still find humiliating. No, not humiliating, embarrassing. I don't want to be pathetic. That's mm. what it feels like. But then I also know, Mel, change your perception. Because this is you taking care of yourself. Because no one else is going to understand what your body is asking of. Mm. I think that's something that we really need to be aware of. Is these feelings are symptoms of our bodies begging for mental to go have a, um, have a break. I don't know, to have a break to go 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 do some introspection why am i feeling this way mm. what what's happening what what feelings am i am i suppressing and um just that in itself is life changing mm. honestly if we apply it throughout it's it can change everything <laughs> so you've dabbled a little bit in sort of mental health and some of the perspectives that you have on like you know, not wanting to get out of bed and feeling silly or embarrassed by that you need to to stay in 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 bed, for instance. But talk to me about the mental health that comes along with your your condition, your lifestyle. How do you cope with the ups and downs that come along with what you're living with? the The main thing for me personally would be a goal, a goal driven life, um, and I truly really do feel embarrassed when I say it out loud because I realized that it's not I thought it was the norm um Mm. when I was 15 years old and I learned all these lessons that your mom tried to teach you and then you're like yeah whatever it's so difficult then you go through these 
traumatic events and you learn, oh my gosh, she was right. I don't need to care what people think about me. My identity isn't centered on the way I look. Yes, there's a part of it to get irritated away, but I am not my body. Mm. These things that I, I learned changed my life, the way I think. And my main thing was this. Friend, I have a ticking time. Look, because up until it literally went like this. 16, oh, you're still alive. Good job. She made it. 17, oh, well done. 18, mm. they were like, oh, okay, yes, she's going to probably make it, but she'll never walk again. Mm. 19, um, amputate your legs. Um, she'll never walk. Um, so going through those phases, I was just like, okay, I've got a little bit amount of time left on this earth. And my thing was, I don't want anyone else to go through something this dramatic mm. to learn these lessons of of what I just spoke about, about integrity, about perspective, about pain, about loving your body. Um, so quite frankly, at 15, I woke up every morning and I was like, how am I going to make a difference today? And it sounds ridiculous because I honestly thought that was how everyone woke up in the morning. Like, you wake up, I'm in pain. Okay, I acknowledge the pain. I thank my body for communicating that there's rods in my ankles. But how am I going to make a difference today? Mm. What can I do today that's going to leave this world one little bit better than the, this morning when I wake up? And when I say that, I talk about giving a stranger a smile, being kind to someone who isn't kind to you. Mm-hmm. Um, every morning I wake up and I go, cool, I have another day. Your perspective also changes when you face death, make peace with death, and then realize, mm-hmm. wow, I've got extra. I have so I had I have so much extra time. Uh I get through the days where I don't want to get through by going, how can I make a difference with this? And honestly, uncensored. There are days like today. Wow, you caught me on the greatest day. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's good. It's good that, that you caught me on not like my best day because I feel often, often people see the motivational. Uh, There's days that sucks like today. Today I woke up, I'm like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I'm not making a difference with the story. I don't feel that I'm helping people see life differently. I don't feel like my story is making an impact. What am I doing? What is the mm. point? What I'm putting into my day, just mentally going, yes, I acknowledge my pain, but you can do this, Mel, literally being my own private cheerleader, fighting battles with pain and mental health, going, it's not worth it. Yes, it is worth it. You can do this. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, like I'm having a conversation with you, but in the meantime, that's what's going on in my mind. And that takes so much energy. On days like this, I'm like, you know what? What's the point? And then mm. I know you just ride out the day, you go to bed, tomorrow you wake up, and you go, how can I make a difference? And every single day that I force myself to get up, there's always one moment where I feel, sounds silly, but I think sometimes you need the small things to hang on to to get through yeah. a mental crisis day. Mm. Mm. Um, I think what you've been through and your your perspective is really it's really um, I don't know I think something something to take away from for for us and and us as outside listeners you know we haven't gone through the journey that you've gone through we haven't gone through the pain we don't live with the pain that you go through on a day-to-day basis and I think just having that different perspective and this coming from someone who actually has a reason to be down and actually has a reason to, you know, sit back and throw your hands up and be like, no, can't do it. And yet here you are and you push forward and you, you know, have this positive attitude and positive outlook on life is really commendable. So something for us to, to learn from. Um, If you had to put one message out there, what would your message be? value your body you don't know what you have until it's gone I thought I was the ugliest girl 
in the world. I was always going on about how I needed to firm up. Look, I'm still, I think we need to look after our bodies. Um, but I really did not like my body. I didn't appreciate it. And the moment that, so I always refer to myself as Mel 2.0. Mm-hmm. 1.0, she's, she, she kind of, she left. You know, we've evolved to 2.0 with lots of rods and stiff, abused ankles. I look back and I look at Mel 1.0 and I want to hug that 15-year-old version and go, you were absolutely perfect. You don't know what you have until it's gone. And I don't want Mm -hmm. anyone to find it, to figure that out the way that I had to. Appreciate your body just the way she is. The fact that our hearts keep on beating, the fact that we, um, small things I, I find as miracles, it's just goosebumps. Go look at how much the, the the integration of nerves that go into it. I appreciate. I truly appreciate your body because we are living miracles. The things our bodies does for us on a daily basis, with us not even thinking about it, is is miracles. And I think we need mm. to be aware and grateful for the miracles that we have our bodies that's uh something to reflect on so thank you thank you for sharing your story and for being vulnerable with us today i've got one last question a bit of a a quirky uh question for you just to add a bit of a spin to it so in in a movie about your life what would be the biggest challenges that your character would have to overcome okay definitely pain mm-hmm. um i want to say the word chronic because chronic is something again um just just as a short example um 33 surgeries the first let's say 10 surgeries i had this influx of support people cheering you on by surgery 11 people are like oh yeah she's going into surgery again by surgery 11 i'm exhausted i don't mm-hmm. have the guts i had for the first one um, so I I think maybe it could all be summed up in perseverance. My my movie character would have to one one heck of just persevering because we've got good days and bad days and days that I don't want to and days that I'm really excited about things that I'm thinking, wow, this is gonna make such a big difference and then like mm. there's nothing. Perseverance. Um and just keep on keeping on even when you don't understand, because it doesn't make logical sense. None of this makes logical sense. But mm-hmm. understanding that there is a bigger picture than me and what I'm seeing. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for for sharing your story, for opening up and you know helping us get the word out there. And I guess also for the message that you bring with your story, you know, value your body, value what you've got um and don't don't look past the things that are happening to you and inside, I guess. Mm. I think that's something that everyone can take away from as a bit of a lesson, you know, we all kind of go through our day-to-day struggles and a- as one would, I guess naturally you think that yours is the most important and yours is the worst but speaking to other people like like yourself um just puts that into perspective where you know you realize that actually I'm quite rich with everything that I have and what's happening so thank you for being vulnerable and opening up and sharing everything with us we really enjoyed having you here and uh, appreciate this (laughs) thank you so much I I have to say, out of all the interviews I've had, this is a very special one. Because can I just say for the record um, to the listeners, Lolly has been, that's my name, sorry, Lauren (laughs) has been there for me through various of these surgeries. I've got a lot of photos with you right next to me in hospital. And you have been uh, one of the people who I think understands the situation the most and um, who I treasure the most in being able to share these things with. Um, just on the last note for me, um, if anyone going through this could have a friend like you, um, that means the world. So if you do know someone who's going through chronic pain and chronic stuff, be a good friend. 
Um, it's not always easy, I think, because it seems like some stuff repeats itself, but I wouldn't be able to do my life without you and your um, support, my friend. So thank you for being you. I wouldn't have it any other way. Before we go, where can people find you? Where can they find your story and follow on with um, or look up a little bit more on your story and follow on with your journey? So there is a really good video. There's a few videos on YouTube, but I think the okay. one that is um, the most, the one that shows, I think the most, um, the pictures, the best is, um, so, okay. So again, I'm technically Afrikaans, which is a South African language, uh, Milani Jacobs, but in English, it translates nicely to Melanie Jacobs against yeah. all odds. If you can mm-hmm. YouTube, um, which is a nice little, I think eight minute video, but it, gives a really nice um, overview then I am on on TikTok but I'm, I'm struggling with social media stuff I'll get there <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at footprints.mal everything about me is footprints um, because I believe that we leave footprints in everyone's daily lives that, that we meet so at footprints.mal on Instagram um, you can DM me there there's videos on YouTube and um, uh, if there's requests uh, you can leave my email <laughs> thank you very much i will link um that against all odds video in the show notes for everyone to have a look at well we hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as we did um i'm not going to get into the whole spiel you know the drill um you know where to find us on social media go and give us that five star rating or uh, leave us a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts on and um We'll see you next week Friday. Until next time. Bye.